Hi, hi, Christian. Hi, very um, nice. I thought you said we were talking to a lady. Okay, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you do I, I know you're going to do it. <laughs> also, you know, we hadn't we hadn't talked about it, but I did watch his movie last night. So yeah, I would I, hope. I know. When, I, when but you, I, you talked about Video Man, I, I heard uh, you thought uh, I was a, a lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Here's yeah. what happened. Because... Christian, I say this all the time, and I truly mean it from the bottom of my heart, and I wish I could change it, but it's very true. I am woefully and painfully American, and I when I see things, like I see that I saw the KR, and in American language, yeah. I just associated that as like Kristen, so I was like, oh, okay, girl, there we go. Yeah. No research whatsoever. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. But that, but I, you know, that's the thing. I, I have a self awareness. I own how much of a stupid American I am. So I apologize. Yeah. And that, and that's my, you know, that's how I'm trying to to mend this broken nation. <laughs> that's my efforts. Yeah, Christian, we do worship the Kardashians here, and they all have a K <laughs> to start their name. That's great, <laughs> dude. Thick shirt. I love me some demons. I've been trying to get him to watch it forever. That's not oh, true. Yeah, you should really see it. Yeah. Yeah. Did did you watch the new Evil Dead? No, I haven't yet. Is it good? Uh Demons 2. I'll say that. Okay. So, yeah. It's um it's very different like uh I mean, you know, we try and do a podcast about horror movies, so you always try to come up with something to say. And I ended up just arguing with a bunch of people cuz I felt if I feel like Evil Dead Rise just felt very un-Evil Dead, which okay. isn't bad. No. But it felt very demons too. Like we get a little fantastical. We're trapped in an apartment building, which most people took as an insult. But I'm like, dude, I love demons too. I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, me too. I, I love them both. I think they're equally great. <laughs> Fun. Fun stuff. Yeah. Where's your demons two shirt? I don't have a demon. <laughs> I do. I, I do have a steel book. Doesn't can't, can't I, wear it. I don't want you to wear that. that you know, if we're going to be talking about collecting, I did buy that second hand. And I paid too much for it, and I've never watched it because, yeah, because steel books they get a little uh, tricky. Yeah, so is that the arrow arrow one or, or? Yeah, I got the first one when it came out. The second one, I think I bought secondhand. And those, dude, the way that they appreciate in value now, it, there's like no rhyme or reason. I I think um, what Scream Factory put out, uh, Death Docker. And I'm like, nobody's going to buy that. It's so cool. It's a it's a double movie. They did it on one Blu-ray, which you know I hate. And I'm like, I, I could wait a little bit. That motherfucker sold out, and it was going for over $100. And I'm like, wait. Yeah. There's a thing that I want to get into here with the collector-like world, where it's kind of like you're on an island by yourself, and you're <laughs> like, nobody likes this movie. I'm the only one. And this weird company made a, like a huge mistake, and they made a 1,000 copies. And then it sells out. And instead of having a feeling of, wow, there are other people like me who like this movie, it's instant war. Yes. And you're like, those idiots don't like that movie as much as me. And I should have a copy. They shouldn't. And I felt a little bit of that reflected in your film. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was kind of surprised to look at your um, filmography and see that you did a lot of music videos prior. You definitely got the chops to be making more features, man. Yeah. I, I'm working on it. I, I... Uh, yeah, I I hope to be doing it next year. Actually, in, in spring, it looks very good right now, but it's not totally set. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you're uh, working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, uh, I'm I'm counting on it. I'm I'm trying. <laughs> well, well, let's uh let's get to to why we're here. Um, so a few God, probably a month. About a month, couple months ago, I, um, Christian, I do this thing now to where I, I go on iTunes and, uh, you know, every Friday or so, I think they, they refresh, uh, their movies for sale and their $5 movies. And I just start perusing the $5 movies and things that kind of stand out. I just grab it and, you know, start collecting my virtual library, which Russell is, um, spiritually against. Yeah. Um, he's, he's much more of the physical manifestation, you know, it, which is a big part of your film. And so I, I, I handled the virtual side and, and I was looking around and I saw this movie video man, which I, uh, you know, in the cover, which we had talked about on Instagram and 
of of how you know sort of Cronenbergy it looked and right. and um, it, it definitely stands out. And uh, I just blind bought it and blind watched it. And as soon as I finished it, told these guys about it. They said, uh, "You need to watch it." I think I got you know. We're gonna try to get this guy for the show. You know what's happened. It's funny when I watched it last night with Oksana. When it ended, I went, "Wow, fucking Clark got lucky." So many times. Well, <laughs> one because you know you're talking about the Videodrome cover, right? Like if if you had delivered on that film, I think Clark would have just liked it. But yeah. the movie that you actually made felt completely in your fucking Q zone. Yeah, like like made for you. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you got lucky there because it's it's mostly you know. It's like we 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 tiptoe in the horror zone, and, and we we deal more about the horror culture, and and collecting culture, and in major fandom, really yeah. more than anything. Um, which I think that everyone in this room on this call can relate to. Um, so I think that right there is is what kind of grabbed me in. But also, Christian, your character work is really what stood out because that's what carries this story for me. Is that this is a story about. Um, real people in real situations um, who have grand ideas about, you know, you know, they have fantastical ideas about their real life and, and they grab onto these things. Um, and it's just great to see, you know, these two very flawed, very real characters meet in this way and find that connection. And then, you know, them trying to get stronger together. And, and it turned into this beautiful love story um, you know, uh, just in all of this fractured mess, these two were able to come together. So, um, yeah, I, you know, Russ, I, like you, I do feel lucky that I was able to find this because I had no idea what I was walking into. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think, yeah. So what did you think when you watched it last night? Dude, it's, um, it's funny because Clark kind of pitched it to me as like, kind of like horror culture. But I really think your movie touches more on like just being a, you know, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about collecting. Now, are you a real collector? Yeah. Do you collect VHS? Uh, not that much anymore, but Blu-ray and, and DVD, everything, basically. Some laser disc, but I mean, for now, I'm, I'm mo mostly into to Blu-ray. Do you hide liquor bottles inside <laughs> your VHS covers? <laughs> no, not no. Not anymore. <laughs> Man. That was pretty good. There was a, there's something. So I think we're on the same page and I, I have a lot of VHS tapes. People will bring me boxes, like what happened in your film. And he kind of picked through them. And there's, there's a lot of like the most real nuance in this film. So when he's trying to buy a zombie out of that box and that lady's just like, no, you got to take it all. I've literally done that before where it's like, I want that one. And they're like, no, dude, you got to get them all. And it's like, at one point I would have been very happy to take them all. Yeah. But now, man, I, I love VHS, but I don't look at them anymore. Right. Like, unless it's like a garage sale or something like, like at Amoeba, we have a record store that still does secondhand. I'll look at them, but man, it's really got to be something for me to buy it. Yeah. And watching this movie, I, I don't know how to articulate it to like you and Randy, because I know Randy has like a criterion collection and you have some stuff, but you're not really buying them. Yeah. It was very tragic to watch a dude completely stuck in the VHS world. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I'm a collector and I've left you behind. Yeah. And and like you, I have Laserdisc, too. Right. I've never done the Betamax. I've met a couple of people who have, but I don't understand that. And I, part of me was like, dude, are you a VHS collector? But I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of bummed to hear that you're not. I mean. Yeah. Of course, uh, like any, if I would find a, a movie like that or, or I would buy it um, any day of the week. But I'm not searching anymore. I, I'm still, you know, I have what I have. And, and now I'm. Yeah, I mean. Maybe one a year. I, I don't know. If something comes up, I I, I buy it. Now, in your film, you have a zombie is like the go-to movie. And yeah. I believe, so in America, it's zombie too. And I think Charles Band had a little bit of a like snafu because that movie really did carry a lot of weight mm -hmm. where he kind of found a box of them in the original clamshell under like the stairs 
kind of like Viper and street trash. He was just like, Bandit? Oh. Yeah. And he put them on the market and people were instantly like, you're a fucking liar, dude. You made these. <laughs> and so this is like a real thing in that movie. And I just, I wanted to articulate that. Like it's how, okay. How much is 10,000 kroners USD? It's, it's thousand dollars. Um, so it's, uh, it's not it's, that it's funny because when you know 10,000 kroners instantly in, a, in my head I thought $10,000 yeah. and that would be immediate for me man a thousand dollars to change your life is pretty tragic yeah, 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 yeah. to like turn shit around it's a few rents a few few months rents and then I mean it's it's a yeah it buys it, you time it buys you some time yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right. Do you have any movies that you paid too much for? Like, do you have a Grail off the top of your head? Oh, that's I, a collector's I, term, by the way. I, I, I was really, <laughs> I was really into a film called Footprints on the Moon, uh, Le Orme, uh, Italian film uh, by Luigi Bassone, uh, one of my favorite Italian directors, uh, and that I bought for way too much. Go ahead. You're with friends. You could say it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but it, closer to 5,000. Uh, kroner. Kroner, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, okay. but I mean, <laughs> when I did it, it wasn't, it was crazy. Um, maybe today it's more reasonable. I, I don't know, because things, it's looking um, crazy out there. Like you said before, the prices are going up, for, even for VHSs. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, in the movie, um, it's mentioned that records are having a comeback because the movie takes place in 2017. Right. And I remember hearing that. And I, I know at a point in my life, I was thinking that too, like, shit, physical media is coming back. Yeah. And I know that's not the case. <laughs> records are different. It's like a hipster thing. It's it's yeah. about like the way you interact with music. Randy knows he has a podcast about it. Yeah. but. Well, the there's also correlation. I mean, if you want to get into it, like the, there's 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 a clear difference in audio. Yeah, that I've heard that argument made from yeah. vinyl. I don't know if you're getting that from VHS. <laughs> you're you're getting nostalgia, sure. Well, well Christian, you know, I, I brought up the movie you paid too much for because one year, um, Oksana, my wife, bought me for a birthday present a VHS tape. That I I believe she paid uh, the equivalent of a thousand kroner for, which isn't even a good movie. <laughs> it's the quest for the mighty sword. I, it, people call it Troll Four, because uh, yeah, Troll Two director did this movie. It's a fantasy film that utilizes some of the costumes. Yeah, and it's it's in mint condition. In case you were worrying, <laughs> it looks great. It looks pretty cool. <laughs> the cover is nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Christian, a big part of the movie, obviously, is you know uh, collecting our um, our protagonist Inyo, um, who is um, an Italian uh, living living in Sweden now, who had you know uh, the biggest video store uh, twenty years prior, and is wanting to make a comeback. And um, you know, something happens in the movie where he's, he he he's he's got a buyer for this tape, and he's gonna you know get this money that we you know, Russell just mentioned, and. Uh, then something happens to the tape. So for a good portion of the movie, uh, you know, he's hopping around uh, different locations of people that he thinks may have stolen his tape. And we hop around to several locations where um, we're in homes, including um, our, our Inyo characters um, location, where there's a very, you know, people have very impressive uh, VHS collections and, and film collections. So how were you able to uh, procure these different locations um, through, for the film? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since, since I, I, I'm a collector myself uh, and, and I was definitely more hardcore VHS uh, back in the day, so, so I still had connections in, in the world um, in that scene. So, so it was pretty easy to... to do that actually yeah so you had you got your little black book of uh, a whole bunch of uh, vhs collectors right so how many how many locations did you scout uh, and what were you looking for specifically uh, 
I, I knew that uh, one of these guys, I knew how it looked. Uh, I heard about it. So I wanted that specific um, location. It's the long haired guy. Uh, his name is Daniel. He's the a- one that looks like uh, he had the, uh, the backings and an actual like storefront where it yeah. had like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the cabinets, the store cabinets. Yeah. yeah. Those were great. How did yeah, he get yeah. those? Beautiful. I don't know uh, how, how he got them actually, but um, I mean, that, I know I wanted that apartment and, and, um, yeah. and actually I didn't know him beforehand. So uh, but uh, when I got it, it, it was wonderful. And the other guys, I, I scouted not that many, maybe five or six. And, and I don't know how many we have in the film. It's like three different, I think, or, uh, I mean, the main, the main place, Ennio's place uh, I, I had beforehand. So that was like finding that place was, me deciding, okay, this is the first, this is the feature I'm going to make. Because I, I need to use this location. Uh, and I don't know how, how long it will, you know, live. So. Now, from what I read online is, is now that location, is that the actual, uh, the film is based on an actual Inyo character and that was his actual basement? Yeah, that, that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, when, when I, I met this guy like um, late nineties when, when he still ran his shop, uh, mm-hmm. his, his video store. And, and later on when, when the video rental stores died, he, he moved that to a, this seller. His, he bought off all his tapes from his, he brought them to, to this seller. So he still has that around and, and have people come there and, you know, trade and stuff like that. Is uh, that your dream, Russ? No, I, um, I came to terms with, uh, the type of collector I am and I've never been able to let anything go. So it's, it's one of those things where if you can flip an item and I like, I've had offers downstairs, like whenever we post videos, sometimes people will DM me and be like, Hey, how much do you want for that? There's a Serbian film VHS tape that I got when we went out to a museum and there's like 20 copies made and only four of them were sold that day constantly and i'm like in my head when i was watching this movie i'm like oh somebody offered me ten thousand kroners i wonder i wonder if i would let it go and i I don't i can't i'd have to be in a hard place to do it like with this the poster behind me um uh murder death koreatown is a like we do a lot of found footage which is pretty niche and this movie kind of came out it was a little questionable ethically and then it kind of made a big hit and then the director changed his mind and pulled it off of everything. So he came out to our film fest and, you know, signed a poster. So I'm like, this poster's fucking cool. I need it to be on camera so I could bring it up every time anybody looks at it. And then when I went and got it framed, they're like, hey, we want to we wanna dry mount it, which is basically like gluing it to like a backing so that it won't curl. And uh, I was like, you're an idiot. No. And I got it back. Do you remember how wrinkled it came? No. It looked terrible in the frame. And I'm like, well, what am I doing? I'm never going to resell it. Like, so I fucking got it glued to the back. And it looks great, though. But yeah. that's that's where I'm at. So if, if like, opening a store, I would be one of those guys where it's like, oh, you can come in and look, and then maybe there's a box on the floor that you could buy from. But I could never, I could never do it. It was giving me anxiety. Like, one of the unique things about VHS compared to, like, a Blu-ray is, I'm sure you know, lending out a movie is... Uh, man, it's Russian roulette. You never know if you're going to get that back. I have some slip covers downstairs from movies that I lent out. I'm like, yeah. I'm not giving you the slip. No, I still don't have the Blu-ray back though. Right. So it's just like this haunting image. Yeah. And with VHS, I loved how he had a notebook and was like, hey, you got to clean your heads before you play another movie. That's that, great. Yeah. That was a unique thing that I would have never even thought of. But <laughs> how the fuck could you even do that? Cause he wanted to open a, a niche collector's market. Yeah. You can't do that shit. You don't know what people are doing with VHS tapes. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's from uh, this real guy, Emil. I mean, he was amazing. He was, I mean, I talked to him for two hours and I thought, Oh wow, this, I need to, to, to get to know this guy. Here, here's a potential movie. And, and I followed him around for a week and then I made notes. So I, I wrote this, First draft, I had it ready early 20, 2000, and, and uh, then it 
got into my drawer didn't get made and and then 15 years later I, I rewrote it but but still lots of things come from that man he's 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 so funny and and uh, really crazy and <laughs> you gave and, him you gave him a cameo in the film right no no I, i'm not in it myself no 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 i'm sorry uh, uh, in, in, you, in, in you, you yes yeah absolutely yeah yeah he, and he's great <laughs> so, uh, he's so confident and you know it's like so did you did did he spend a lot of time uh, with the actor who portrayed Ennio in the film? Yeah, he, he he learned. I mean, he he got to learn how to you know clean the the video heads and stuff like that. Like when, when we did inserts, so we had the real actors' hands doing these things. And um, yeah, he, he gave him some instructions in, in that department, <laughs> like the technical side of it. But did he like try to to um, imitate the the actual Inyo and like learn some of his like you know nuances uh, from a personality standpoint? I, I actually decided not to do that since okay. he, he has a, um, the way of speaking. He's a really thick accent uh, of uh, not not Italian but uh, Gothenburg in Sweden, that town. We have kind of a, a special accent, and and that's. It's uh, if if the actor should do that, it, I, I was afraid it would become fake. That he, he was trying so hard to sure. name that accent. Um, so and and also I think it's based on three different persons. So so Enio is like everything around VHS uh, is coming mostly coming from him. But then I had another guy that was more look wise. The Ennio that I want to portray in, in in the film, another collector, and then the third guy is sitting here. So so it's like a mash of three different persons that to to get to that character. How, how do you fit in there? Uh, <laughs> 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 it's a long story, but uh, try to to keep it short. But basically, I, I've been in fights like uh, he have. With, you know, over movies, uh, over directors, the thing with the the big guy in the sofa. Yeah, uh, that's one of scene. my favorite scenes. Yeah, I mean that that that's uh, I've been I've been there, <laughs> done that, uh, and yeah. and also the alcohol. Uh, sad to say, I, I had problems with that, uh, so I'm not I'm a I'm clean from that these days. Right. Congrats, dude. Yeah, thanks, thanks. That's uh, a hard thing to do. So I need needed to put that into the film as well. Too. Uh, so I mean I think that's and, and I mean when I was younger I was much more I was over passionate about this uh, about movies and, and, and I think I I had some of that stubbornness and and really everything revolved around what you thought about a specific specific movie you couldn't if somebody said that that, that sucks what yeah and, you know I was I couldn't control myself so I think. That that kind of sort of naiveness and, and uh, over the topness <laughs> that's in in Enio, in the character also comes from me. But also the other guy, of course. There's a lot of crazy persons in in, in the Swedish VHS world. <laughs> I, re- I yeah, I related to both of those guys in that scenario. How? Well, because I think that they're both, um, they both have you know a firm foundation in where they stand on their point of views. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the, the guy who's in his apartment, you know, he's talking about, you know, they've got it, <laughs> uh, for a listener, they've got it, um, uh, freeze framed. Oh, they've got it, the screen paused, um, on a private part, um, talking, you know, uh, the female genitalia, the female genitalia. Yeah. Thank you so much. And the guy's talking about how, uh, it was an insert because there's an actual, um, birthmark, or scar, scar in the inner thigh, and that is not the actress. And then it, then they go into, you know, who makes better Italian films, um, you know, and then it's like, yeah, of course, we've been in all those different, you know, conversations one way or another. And like, you know, I've been on both sides of the argument. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny that you connected to the personalities because I connected to them the other way where I've measured 
my projector from a screen before. Yeah. I um, used to get re- like a pet. Like, I'm very proud that I don't do this anymore. And it's proof right now if you go downstairs and look. But my projection on my screen, because we have a projector downstairs, it's off a little bit. And I'm living with it. Back in the day, I would have people over and I'm like, we can't start this movie <laughs> until it is. And I would have the grid up and I, people would just be sitting there like, what the fuck are we doing? Yep. And I'm like, I'm like, there. how are we going to watch this <laughs> if a piece of the corner is cut off? Right. And I mean, know. Randy, our engineer, we went to a theater out here and we watched uh, The Void. And right. it was the worst. I think this might have helped me. The worst projection I've ever seen. It sounded like the audio was coming through a uh, like a Bluetooth speaker on the floor. And the projection, it, they didn't even try to like match it up with their screen. No. And there's something where I could kind of let it go. So when those two were fighting, one, I felt it was like I was looking in a mirror and I'm like, God, I'm glad I don't do that anymore. But also, he's fighting with the only other person who could understand him. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, why is it always combat? But I also felt a little scene because, you know, I'm curious how you got into film because I think the way I did was through drinking, kind of. Right. I uh, We rented Monkey Shines one day when I was in <laughs> high school. And uh, we watched it, and it turned out to not be a great movie. You but, watch your mouth. But it turned out to be – it changed my life because the the fun we had watching it, yeah. I was like, oh, I could do this. I'm just going to buy horror movies, and I'm going to have people over, and we could have fun. Like, I, I mean, I love Monkey Shines. Yeah. But also the thing that it took me years to realize was I was pairing that with like drinking too. Right. So I was hanging out with people that I didn't like, like, you know, when you're sober with them and you look around the room, it's like, why are we here together? Yeah. And it's like, we're not drinking. And now I realize I have nothing to say to you. Right. Like now, and Gomo just ended. So now I want to leave. Yeah. So yeah. What, what got you into film? I, I think from an early early age it was like the, the escape from reality. It, it was yeah. my, you know, um, uh, safe room or, you know, uh, escape room. It was like, um, I, I just, I needed that to, to uh, have to get away from, I mean, I had a great upbringing, uh, nothing about that, but, but I also was a really introverted and kind of a classic film, uh, Student thing, but but I mean, I it was a big comfort, you know. Um, even even if I looked at horror or anything, it I needed to see one thing before I went to bed, you know. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was like um, a Prozac or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you probably have a creative mind because I, I same thing. I didn't have a bad upbringing, but I found myself hanging out in garages, getting wasted, watching like Gummo. Or like just movies that I thought had terrible people in them. And I I realized it was because I wanted to be doing things, but I didn't know what to do. So I would be like, I would call people and be like, hey, what are you doing? Let's do something, which was like, it just meant let's go get something to drink and let's watch a movie. Because I felt like being active or I don't know. Yeah. So that, I mean... God, I mean, I I am still kind of faking myself because what we do a podcast about movies, we go, you know what I mean? It's still like I'm trying to make it more of a productive thing to watch film. So right. I don't I actually I don't know if I've gotten any better then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here, I mean, the thing yeah. about the opportunity you have right here, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're we're talking about a film that we loved and, uh, you know, we've got the filmmaker right here to pick his brain i know so but, it's like you know you're not in the garage anymore dorothy no but he's a collector like me so i see him now <laughs> that's right we're not but all dude, that different hey here's the thing though uh are you're not an exclusive horror fan that's one thing I, I picked out immediately is you've got fucking like real chops this movie felt a little bit like french new wave to me in the way that you you kind of had two protagonists too right. which you know when i was looking on imdb it really looks like it's going to be about you know, a video man. So I thought it was interesting how as an audience member, I really accepted another like lead a part way into this film and it didn't feel unnatural to me. She's great. Yeah. But that perspective, that's a tough thing to navigate. Like, were you worried about that at all? Like having another protagonist? Uh, I know it's kind of a weird question, uh, but I don't know. No, I I was so when I made that movie, I was so ready to to 
to make a movie. I, I, I've been struggling in making commercials and shorts, and I was so fed up with my life not having made a feature before I turned thirty, and you know, then forty, and <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. I, I was like so ready to do this, and, and my I I didn't give a shit about anything. Just to let's go out and make this thing now before you no. Know, uh, I need to do it right now. So, so I was kind of naive going into this process, and then the editing was where it, that stuff kind of started to run on me. Uh, and and um, that, so, so in editing, it was kind of hard navigating that. And, and I, I got the first cut was one hour fifty minutes, and, and I felt I, I think this needs to go down to one and a half, one thirty that kind of film and and uh, I got a really good editor helping me with this and he 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 did a lot of the work going back and forth between Ennio and Simone the female character and and he also brought her in earlier in the film in my original draft I wanted her to come in after 15 minutes uh but he said if we're going to really feel something for her in the end with our daughter and everything. We need to bring her in earlier. Uh, I thought that was kind of boring, but I, I think he, he was right in the end. <laughs> so, uh, but, but he helped me with, with this uh, balancing balancing act of, of going between two main protagonists. Yeah, because you tie it all together in the end, and it's kind of like you know we're we're on both their journeys at the same time. You know, we're kind of checking in, and then we both you know kind of converge at the finish line. So it was a it was a great balancing act. It's Certainly. it's interesting. It's great writing. You know, I hear a lot of directors on here, especially when it's like their first feature, and they always say the reverse thing, where it's like their movie was really long, and it took them being in a theater to see when they were losing people to be like, oh, I gotta I gotta kill my darling here. Right. But I don't know, man. I feel like I'd like to see an hour fifty cut of Video Man. <laughs> I I really think you got that like that meandering vibe where, at a certain point, like whatever traditional film narrative, like three act structure, like I didn't care anymore. Like you you really flesh those characters out so well that I could have just like went to the office again or vomit on another copying machine, <laughs> broke into another buddy's house. Yeah. Like I. I, I really was taken by it. And it's funny because when we talked about it, it's like this wanted to be a horror movie. And then I watched it. And I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah. You made something really special here, which is exactly what you like. The uncategorizable. Yeah. Like it's an homage to 80s horror, but it's really more like a like an independent film, independent foreign film. And that's something I kept thinking about, too. Being in a collector in America has to be different in like the DNA than somebody over in like Scandinavia or Europe. But we have a, we have a buddy, um, Ilan Sheedy, who uncle Frank, he does a lot of cover art for Blu-rays in Germany. And he'll send me pictures of their local stores and all the digi books they have. And I feel like in Europe, like just collecting has to be different. Like, like the idea of a foreign film in America is anything non-America. Right. Right. And it feels like unique, like, if the culture is so different and I'm just, I'm curious, like do collectors out there have a lot more like films from other countries? Uh, yeah, they have in, in Sweden, at least they have. And I, but I, I think many collectors, I mean, there's a click that's collecting everything uh, like me, but there also is a strong, I mean, strong horror community only watching horror th- films and yeah. I, i've had a lot of problem with i think you guys tapped into that uh, when you talked about video man that people are expecting something that they don't really get and, and sometimes with you guys it turns out all right but uh, there's also some people that's what well, this is a this wasn't a horror yeah. film this is crap uh, and i think that was a a mistake maybe in the marketing of this film uh, to have that poster in, in the Swedish poster, the first poster we had. Yes. I can send you guys that he is like holding the remote, like a gun. So it's a little bit of a comedy, you know, thing in there, uh, black comedy. Uh, but the one 
that uh, my UK distributor signature um, made, which I loved. I was so blown away by the poster, so I just said, let's go with this one. Uh, but but it's not really, it's too much horror in there. And, and I think a lot of people have, have problems with that. And this, I, 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 I wanted to make a, a drama uh, with the vibe of a horror film or a thriller, you know, and that's what I, I always wanted. Uh, uh, actually, uh, when I showed it at Fright Fest, where, where it premiered, UK-based um, horror festival. Oh, we know Fright Fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Alan Jones, I don't know if you know, the, he's like done a lot of writing. Oh, we don't know Alan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love him to death, and, and he, he really loved this film, so he helped me to get in there, and, and he he said that this is um, Mike Lee meets Dario Argento, and that's yep. I think on the nose what I really yeah that's what I like to do. <laughs> uh, so so every time I sit down to write something, I I think okay maybe this should be more. I'm trying to do a horror film this time, but I can't do it. I, I want the characters to be real, and I, I I love black humor, so it kind of comes with the package. <laughs> Dude, Christian, one um, I have to tell you. I've started trying to, I've made a terrible decision and I'm taking my career into editing and I'm trying to do like social media stuff for people. So working with like cinematic minded, like people who make movies and then trying to get them to understand making a a reel or a short for a vertical phone, which is the most uncinematic thing. I'm like, you know, you try and convince them like, Hey, it's, it's a Trojan horse. You're trying to get people interested so that they'll watch it. So I think you're covered. It does a good job. But I think what you're going to get is a lot of people who feel, I don't know, jilted. And they're kind of like, this is not the movie I thought. But what you're also going to get is you're going to change people. Because I think you made a gateway drug. And I think if people are willing, especially in America, if they're going to sit there and watch subtitles, that's already, we're we're on the right foot. But then if they stop the movie and they are, you know, they have that moment that I think most film fans had where they start questioning like, oh, why do I... Like, what am I feeling? Like, why am I still thinking about it? Dude, I think you're going to put people on the right path. Your film's effective. And my only critique with the the Argento remark is that unlike Argento, you're self-aware. So all your Argento stuff, you knew what you were doing. Like, I think when he's doing those long romantic murder scenes, it's almost like he's like in a fever dream. And, you know, like he's having an out-of-body experience where... In your film, what I loved is we watch so many indie horror films, micro budget, and you know that the director's a horror fan and you know they couldn't get a location. So they're shooting in a room like this, but it it doesn't make any sense for the characters. Yet in your film, you navigated all that like perfectly. And it ended up this beautiful movie about two very 3D characters. So I I don't know. I think um The movie's about the characters. Yeah. Which is weird because you look at the poster and everything and I understand why you would think like, oh, this is going to be a horror film. But honestly, you might have made the best movie about collecting movies and it's modern. And here, here's for people listening. One thing I loved about this film is there's a lot of nostalgia. You light everything of the era that we're talking about. Like it's very um, colorful, like Italian horror. It's got like a dreamscape to it. But we have characters living in a dream world. So everything's making sense. And then there's the one problem that all modern horror movies deal with. And it's the cell phone. Yet in your movie, it does not affect the nostalgia at all. And in fact, I think I have a theory that you may have shot some of these cell phone uh, moments like they were a payphone. I kept thinking that when our lead was out there in the snow on a corner. And I'm like, this almost feels like, like an homage to, you know, being like in the birds, like you're in a phone booth. Yeah. Like I'm just I'm curious how you were navigating the modern era with like clearly classic cinema taste. Right. Um it's a good question question. I mean first of all thank you so much uh, both of you. <laughs> you're, you're being much too nice. But uh, I mean it's so uh, I'm being honest. I really matter. Yeah. Uh but anyway I I, I don't I'm not that fond of, of the iPhones and, and whatnot in, in, Who is? in all the films. So, <laughs> yeah. 
it's tough to, to exclude them totally, but I, I try to make it a bit dirt, dirty in some way, you know, and not so... I didn't have a, a philosophy of exact, exactly how to do it. I, I kind of searched my way there, and, and, and some, some of those shots didn't look right, and then I, I, I did it again. So I tried to... Yeah, get it to feel a bit older. <laughs> I, I don't really know how, you know. But. Now, here, let me defend myself because I get a lot of shit on this show for just waxing our guest's car and loving them. So <laughs> let, me, let me describe for people who haven't seen the movie what I mean. Um, in modern films like The Shallows, me and Clark will talk about how much we hate their treatment of a cell phone. And a lot of the time you'll get like this VFX of like texting and it'll pop up. It's very like, it's not only intrusive, but it takes all of your attention which is kind of like a phone. So I understand. Yeah. But in your movie, we don't get the like, like I think there's one time where we really see a phone in a close-up, where a lot of the time it, we have a long shot and yeah. it'll be somebody in the environment on a phone. And it's just, I don't think I've seen that in modern movies. A lot of the time it's very like, like we focus in on the phone and shut everything else out. Yeah. And I almost had to cut you off when you were talking. I thought you were going to say you didn't have any phone philosophy. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, but you have some of the harshest critique of Instagram I've ever seen in a movie. And I, is that a real part of the man? Like, uh, no, that that's not a real part. I mean, he <laughs> is, oh, totally. is that you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the third guy. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> uh, I, I actually have Instagram. I, I think I, I and um, but I mean the 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 real Enio he, he he doesn't know what social media is almost. You know. I, I, mean, I mean he's he's really cut off from those kind of things. That's probably why he's fucking prolific. Like if you're really gonna become the man at something, you kind of gotta shut everything else out. So if the dude was kind of savvy on the internet, it'd almost be weary. Yes. But dude, I've never seen social media utilized in such a real way. Where Simone's relationship with Instagram is fucking so tragically real, yeah, that it is one of the hardest things in this movie. Because oh, man, it reminds me of people, and I watching like she posted her wine glasses and gets <laughs> no likes, and I don't know if there's anything more poetically crushing in 2017 than that. Oh, it's tragic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I can't relate, but I, I see it where people, they want something. I don't know, man. Yeah, so I'm, it's making uh, my palms sweaty thinking about that. It's brutal. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Loneliness. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, but hey, she's got Cleopatra. Right. And she's got the 80s. Yeah, and I I loved I loved that those I love the pairing of those two things with, uh, because at the same you know we 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 learned that they are different sides of the same coin. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like they they both and she kind of mentions that uh you know um in the bedroom before they had that giant fight. But it's <laughs> like you know that you know where they're able to sort of uh you know come together on that. But yeah, right. so how did you end up um. And the conversation she had about uh, the mummy not being very factual. Um, yeah. And I think that's when Inyo sort of like locks in, like, you're fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. this weird shit about. So, how did, how did you settle on that that was going to be her thing, the 80s and Cleo and um, in Egypt? I, I, I'm a big sucker for, for the 80s and, and, and uh, who isn't these days. Yep. But I, yeah. I, I, I really like it. And, and that's when I saw many of the movies that made made me uh, so i mean uh, it's a big thing for me and and i so the 80s was and, and i also loved the music the synthwave music ca ca coming out after i saw drive and, and people were really doing this and we have had like wave shaper back in sweden that i adored i think wow this is so amazing need to use that kind of music so there were lots of different things with the 80s uh and also like the heyday of the video stores and stuff like that. So, and also I think that these 
these actors, uh, both these actors, uh, they they had their heyday in late eighties and and early nineties. That it was kind of fun bringing them back, and and uh, they could really. I mean, I, I couldn't tell them that maybe when I tried to cast them, but it felt like they they were haspins uh, in a way. Uh, yeah. Now now Lena, she won a really nice award like a swedish oscar for this role so she was really yeah this was a kind of a comeback for her and, and i hope that it yeah. should be would be for, to stefan as well but uh, so that was yeah the 80s that's the 80s and and the the egyptology i i always love that stuff uh don't know why uh and and like the nail in the coffin was one of my favorite films is uh, polanski's the tenant uh, and there you have the name Simone uh, is the former tenant that kills herself that in 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 the apartment that Polanski moves into, and she was an she was into Egyptology and there's lots of stuff in that film about that um, symbolism and so so the yeah that came from from the tenant. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> you know, I was thinking that too. I'm like. Egypt in the eighties. How did you get there? And the only thing I could think of was fucking walk like an Egyptian. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it has to be more than that. Yeah, I love, I love the Bangles are is a great insp- inspiration. Yeah. Also in Damn. my in the ne- next film I'm trying to get off, they're involved in the look for a female character that I'm working on. Ooh, I love it, <laughs> dude. I'm into it, dude. I um, are you gonna with the new film? Are you getting that's a weird question. I don't know. Are you going to do crowdfunding or how are you doing production here? Actually, the, the Swedish Film Institute is, is backing this one uh, from, from, from get-go. Uh, so Congrats. That's, that's amazing. Um, I mean, yeah, I, 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 maybe I, I shouldn't. <laughs> I, I'm, it's not totally ready yet, but, but they're, they're into it and it looks really good. So. Um, Hopefully, we're gonna have an easier path this way too. How did how did you make Video Man? Was that self funded? Uh, we we had a lot, we had some money from um, like we got some funding in the start uh, for like uh, uh, not not much, and and then we had people come in with their wages in in the project. We said that okay, when we get more funding, you you guys are gonna get paid. <laughs> Um, and it took until we we showed showed fina- financiers the first cut, then they gave us the money. So it kind of we we used monies from uh, commercial films, uh, mm-hmm. commercial uh, work, and and a few fundings, and and then we got the like the bigger bucks uh, at a later stage when we had a first cut. Was it hard to pitch the film? Like I I don't know. You know, I always imagine there's a table full of people in suits and then you're you're up there and you're like, yeah, I want to make a, a movie about this guy who collects VHS tapes and he lives in a basement. And yeah. I just can't imagine any of them being able to relate. And no, that, that, that was a tough cookie. Of <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it took so long to, to make that film, I think. But um, we, yeah, I mean, basically the... When they saw some material that we did, like a pilot thing, you know, it, it took that to to get them to understand what we're trying to do here. And and some, a few, the actors liked the script very much. So we and we had some famous actors in it in Sweden, and that also helped, of course. Well, it also helped because it was it was a fucking good movie. Yeah, you know, I I don't know what the right way to feel about that is where, you know, I watched the film and I'm like, Oh, cool. Little indie movie came out of another country and I really liked it. But then you look at it and it's like, Oh no, these motherfuckers have chops. Like these, cause you know, my first thought is like, dude, these guys are crushing it in this movie. Like, I feel like deeply connected to them. And you're like, well, of course they did. They're real. Yeah. God damn it. And I don't know if I should feel bad about that or not. And that, that was one of the things about like being a collector in another country. Like, like our buddy Ilan, who's in Germany now, I feel like the UK connection or like uh, the connection with France is much stronger. And it's not as like, 
Like, you know, when we say a foreign film here, like I mentioned, subtitles will lose what, like three fourths of an audience immediately. Yeah. But is that true? Like in like other countries? I don't know. I just feel like they'd be more willing. Yeah. In Sweden, it's not true. We, 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 we grow up with, with sub, subs, uh, you know, uh, and, and in the Nordic countries. And I think also the UK seems to be fine with it, but uh, Germany, France, they, they have dubbed versions of, of films. And, and many, many, many countries has that. That's really strange to me. So in like, this is going to be a weird question. If you're collecting VHS and you're doing, and you're like a horror fan, how well represented is America? Like I, cause whenever I think about collecting VHS and you know, it's a lot of Italian horror. Yeah. And yeah. Cause I would just, yeah. I, basically my question is going to kind of be the same thing of just like growing up in Sweden. Like who's the King? Like is American movie making? Like, is that still, you know, growing up was that, and is it still? Yes. It important. is. It was and it, and it is. It's still the most. It's what people like. Most people love it, uh, and and uh, I mean, majority also thinks that Hollywood Hollywood movies is is like, you know, uh, what they if they go to the movies, it's mostly Hollywood stuff, and, and now a lot of super, you know, the uh, Marvel movies, uh, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. Um, you guys have so much. I think I, I, if I had to pick one country, I would say the U.S. as well. It, oh, since okay. since I mean, seventies, and I, I think also the nineties when when I really started to think about making movies. I think so much interesting stuff coming from from the U.S. in the indie scene was amazing, like Todd Solons and yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, Neil Butte. I don't know. I, I mean, it's uh, the list goes on. When, when I look at the '90s and, and American indie films, it's so many that kind of wanted me to to make movies. And, and I think the Coen Brothers, who who beats them, I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they. I think they, when they're at their best, it's hard to beat stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I don't. Sure. I just imagine like a VHS collection, though. Because I t- completely agree with you when it comes to DVD. But when I think of like a VHS collection, like what do you like if you're in another country and you have like a good American collection? Are you showing off like Hitchcock? Because that just sounds kind of yeah. like boring to me. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. and I don't know if that's because I'm here, but also you get into like the discussion of like, well, he's not American. So right. I feel like a lot of our American directors aren't American. Like the whole 1920s movements, a lot of German but directors. But he represents America. Yeah. He made some really good UK films though, too. Sure. Yeah. Like 39 Steps, I think, is like incredible. And and because sure. I'm like But be- Vertigo is ours. Yeah, but but I'm getting into like being part of a like part of being a collector, I think is partially being a um a contrarian, which you y'all know I am. So when when I think of Hitchcock, I immediately go back to not the popular stuff. So I'm like, so if you're a contrarian VHS collector. Right. Like, what American directors are you pushing? Like, I just can't think of any. De, De Palma. Michael Bay. De Palma, okay. De Palma is number one. I, I think the uh, uh, collector crowd. And, and, of course, Texas, Chainsaw Massacre, um, Toby Hopper. Uh, okay, yeah. Those guys were kings, of course. But then, yeah, in, in the VHS community, like, you're right. It, it's lots of Italian stuff that were floating around. What about like Stuart Gordon? Does he make it in yeah, there? Yeah, of course. A- a- anything that comes close to being like uh, horror American and uh, of course Evil Dead, um, yeah. those street trash, whatever, you know, uh, indie horror, American horror is, is uh, they they, uh, they love it. But uh, yeah, in, in VHS scene, maybe the... the, the the European stuff is kind of 50-50. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've heard so many people talk about, like, just World War II playing a big part in it. Like, Germany gets really weird with a lot of their stuff just due to, like, a cultural guilt and kind of, like, expressing that through cinema. So you get a lot of, like, kind of gnarly stuff. But, man, you're totally right with Brian De Palma. 
I get in so many fucking arguments defending Brian De Palma with people. And you know how I'm talking about trying to make um, film trailers vertical. I kind of lean on De Palma all the time where I'm like, dude, he was doing split screen. Like we're kind of doing that, but we're reconstructing vertically. And anytime I see a split screen, (laughs) I call it the De Palma. I know. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's just, (laughs) yeah, damn. But again, American, (laughs) like, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Christian, one of the last thing I want to get into this, um, and you, you talk about, you know, uh, making a new film. And um, as you are well aware of here in the States, um, you know, we've got the writer strike happening and now the actor strike. And so uh, I just kind of want to know from your perspective, um, you know, being an international filmmaker, um, you know, has there have you seen any effects thus far or, or, or you know, what are sort of you think could be ripple effects for what's happening in Hollywood for the rest of, you know, the film industry as a whole? First of all, I think it's very important that this thing is happening uh, right now. I, I, I have a big fear of mainly AI that it's going to <laughs> <laughs> you know, take over, yeah. going, going to get terminated, or, 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 <laughs> or but basically taking over the jobs, you know. And so I think, and also the streaming giants are, are kind of scary. Uh, sure. So. I really hope they, they, they can uh, make something good about about this and, and, and kind of stop it in its when it everything gets too too big and, and out of hand. Um, but I mean, I guess in the the Barbie and, and the Barbie what's it called the the double feature Barbie Hybrid. Exactly, yeah, that, that, that's a big thing in Sweden as well. And I, I mean, wow. it's great that. It, it makes people go back to the theaters, but that's a, a thing that we're afraid of, of course, that people doesn't go to the cinemas anymore. And and maybe that's a ripple effect that could, you know, when, when they're just back on their feet, the, the theaters, uh, if, if American movies stops coming for a while, maybe, they, I mean, this, this, uh, Barbara, Barbenheimer is, uh, doesn't last that effect uh, as we hope it will. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm not that well read in, in this uh, in the details of all, all this happening. But I mean, I guess this is what I can say. Has there been? Um like an over-reliance with AI that you've seen in the, the Swedish film industry thus far? Like, are you know, you guys heading in the same direction? No, we haven't seen that much. But, but I mean, the more on the writing side, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's uh, chat, what's it called? Chat yeah. GPT. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. And, and, and uh, my, my wife is really knowledgeable, knowledgeable about that she has shown me a lot of things that kind of wow, that's crazy what, what mm-hmm. they can do. And, and, and I think also, I love mo- movie posters as well. And I, I see what some people do like that with, with tools like that. And that's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, I mean, give it five years, where are we? Do they need actors or directors or writers? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm. I mean, anyone would hate it. <laughs> and and, and I, I'm, I'm a bit like him, so <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, it it's tough. There's an Instagram account that I found recently where they take, they use an AI, I think they're using Midjourney, right. and they make Hong Kong genre posters. Wow. They look so fucking good. Yeah. And as somebody who collects art, it, it was clear to me early on that I could never illustrate have no talent and it kind of fucking breaks my heart to think like you know you do this thing your whole life and you get yeah. really good and then it's like well fucking now now a jerk off like me could do it you yeah. know what i mean and like it doesn't take much no but what what are we gonna do i, I really don't know <laughs> we gotta legislate it <laughs> we just gotta give in we should just let the robot overlords take over now no. that's i'm i'm willing they can have my meat let them <laughs> Now, hold on. I know we're winding down here and I have one question in your film. 
you get into the age old uh, battle of Argento and uh, um, and Fulci, and you bring up um, I think you mentioned him earlier. Now, God, I'm gonna sound like, yeah, yeah. Uh, sound like a fucking poser. Yeah, Luigi, what Bazzoni? Bazzoni, yeah. Okay, who is it? And I clearly you believe in this guy being the best. And um, I want to I want to attach my ship to yours, and I want to take your theory and now have a new champion. Because I'm sure Randy could even get on board here if he's still listening. So yeah, can you give me a little rundown? I'm looking online. It doesn't seem like he has a huge vid- videography. No, I, I I don't know. Actually, I, this I don't know if I I I would put him as number one uh, today. Uh, I I definitely did uh, like ten years back, um, but I think he he did five pictures and. Every picture was very good. At least three of them are like masterpieces, almost. So, I think that. All right, what are they? I'm writing them down well, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the ones you you should see is um, footprints on the moon. That's the uh, the best of them, I think. And and then he did a so so these are jellos ish, uh, art very arty jellos, and and then he made called The Fifth Chord, starring Franco Nero. And, and both these films are shot by uh, Storaro, Vittorio Storaro, the, who shot a lot of films for Berlucci. And, you know, he's a master cinematographer. <laughs> so that's... Uh, and uh, I think Luigi actually... He was a cinematographer at first, and, and he kind of learned, learned Vittorio uh, some, some of the... He's so underappreciated, and I think from an underdog perspective, I, I really loved him. That nobody has seen him, and you know, you sh- they're talking about Argento and all these guys. And what have you? I mean, watch this. This is more like um, high art stuff. Uh, okay, but then he did uh, a thing called. Um, uh, let me see which one. Uh, his first film. I can't. Oh, I, I, I'm blanking out here. Possessed. <laughs> if if you watch IMDb, his uh, the first uh, thing he did. Also, his I first feature is the Possessed. Yeah, exactly. That's a masterpiece as well. And I, I was I, really I, hoping I, you were going to say that one. Yeah. <laughs> Arrow, Arrow has released it, um, and um, I think there's really good discs on, on all of these. Uh, and then he did a, a like a. a remake of Carmen, the op- the opera. That was pretty good, actually, as well. Oh, dude, I found it on sale. Oksana, I know you just walked in the room. Get ready. We're going to buy this movie. I am, I, you know, <laughs> the stamp of approval that came through that conversation in that movie, I made a note. I'm like, I have to figure out who that director is. <laughs> I will win so many arguments now. <laughs> Oh, look at what you've done, Christian. Look at what you've but, done. But you know, it's a little bit of that. But also, you know, there's there's a lot of pride you get when when other film fans come over and like in your movie, they're like, "I thought we were watching a Jalo," and you're like, "We are." Yeah, like, let me school you right now. Where right. you know, I've I've kind of come, like when you have a friend and they're like, "Oh, I've never seen the thing." You know, I used to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You wasted your life. Uh, now I'm kind of like. You get excited and let's yeah, watch the thing. I'm like, what a fantastic opportunity. Luckily, people have rediscovered the movie. We might be able to see it at the Alamo. Like you get to do it right for the first time. So yeah. I'm trying to be more positive and less disappointed. That's To great. quote one of my favorite. <laughs> what, 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 one of the big things that I think with me and, and a lot of collectors uh, uh I mean, this was something I, I really had in me. That I, I want. It didn't matter what, even if Bassoni wasn't the greatest, and I knew that. I it was for <laughs> yep. me to tell the other ones that this, just because they didn't know know him, I I, I became mad, and, and I wanted to tell them this is so so winning that conversation, uh, <laughs> saying that he is the best, and because of this and this and this, um, was more important than really telling the truth. And that's a big thing with Ennio as well. He has his prestige. It's a lot of, about prestige in, in that film and about 
you know, it's, it's naive, but it's so fun. I love that. I think that's that's humor in its uh, one of the best ways. Uh, prestigeful people. <laughs> it's funny because something just clicked too. I know what it's like to be having a drink and then you've got like a secret weapon and you're like, you don't know shit about this. So you can't say anything. <laughs> and then the internet came along and it kind of fucking ruined that. Right. Because somebody could be like, Oh really? And then they Google it and they're like, Oh, you're actually wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, fuck you. Like you completely will kneecap you. Yeah. So I could imagine yeah. Ennio just being like, you know, fuck the internet completely. Here. Yeah. Oh man, it's tragic being a collector. Yeah, and I don't know <laughs> had it not been for the internet, anytime I would talk about this great movie, Video Man, I would say it was directed by a woman. <laughs> so you know, hi. Uh, but uh, Christian, this was this was so much fun, man. Thank you so much uh, for for reaching out and uh, letting us uh, pick your brain for an hour. Um, you know, like I said, man, this. Uh, when I watched this movie, I just, um, it gave me so much joy. And, uh, not many movies make me happy anymore. And um, it's like, it, it's a lot of work. Um, and it's like, it does bum me out. But at the end, when I rewatched it this morning, I was like, man, this is a happy movie. And um, it's just, um, you know, it's optimistic. Well, how is it not? The journey is happy. But when we, when the movie shuts off, it's real easy to like backslide immediately. Sure. But we're, but. I, but I know. we know we know the rocky road ahead. That's all the I'm thing saying. Is, well, I think what you just bought into was the fantasy that maybe they both bought into too, because you know it stuck with sure. me when you told me this is a bleak film. Yeah, I brought that in there, and I'm like, you know, it is a hopeful movie. I don't know. Again, <laughs> this is this is the only kind of conversation you can have after watching a good film. So, dude, Christian, man, I love you. When your when your next feature gets ready, please get in contact with us. Absolutely. I, I, I need to see it. <laughs> oh, and I'm, I'm definitely going to follow up with you after I watch these films because they better be fucking good. So, Christian, before we uh, cut you loose, um, yeah, plug anything you'd like to. Uh, social media, websites, uh, anything you got going on? Um, yeah, I, I'm on, on, on Instagram. That It's not that impressive. <laughs> but, I mean, it's Christian A. Soros from Basically, um, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, there's going to be fun stuff turning up pretty soon. Good deal. Yeah. And at least you're getting likes on your videos and your oh, yeah. Instagram posts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thanks Christian, so much, man. Yeah, Christian, I love you, man. Thanks for yeah. coming on. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>